Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Money is one of the most divisive subjects in the church, but the subject of money is one of the most important issues that a church must discuss. Unfortunately, if a pastor talks about money too much, he runs the risk of sounding greedy or that he's after an offering. But if he talks about it too little, then the church really never learns God's perspective about money and their relationship to it. Well, in today's message, we begin to tackle the subject of money with a message titled Understanding Money from the Kingdom Supply segment of our series titled The Journey. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. We're going to count that today is exactly what you need to hear. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. This is a day that you have made. We're going to rejoice. We're going to be glad in this day. We thank you, Lord, that you give the word of God as knowledge to us, allows us to know you in a deeper way. And we thank you, Lord, that with your word, you also grant to us a spirit of revelation. We thank you that you asked Peter, Lord, who do men say that I am? And he responded, say, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And you said flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father who's in heaven. So today we thank you for revealing Jesus to us in a new way today. Allow the word of God to minister to our hearts and let us activate and apply the word of God to our lives that we might see you move in the way that you desire and bring forth the manifestation of your will and your desire for us as believers. And thank you, Lord God, that with that revelation, with that manifestation, you will also grant to us a heart of compassion. Lord, make us people who desire to see what we have seen and heard that we pass on to other people. We pass it on in the form of ministry to them. We pass it on in the form of love to them. We pass it on with a heart and a mind to see their lives transformed and them grow in the same ways that you have grown us. And we thank you right now for a supernatural hundredfold harvest of the word of God being preached today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Are you ready? Hallelujah. Let's go to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to dig in. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I know the purpose of money. Amen. We're going to talk to you today about understanding money. Understanding money money. You know, we've been ministering to you on the journey and we've been talking about the journey and the journey is God's supernatural pathway for our lives. Amen. We all have a pathway. We all have a destiny. We all have God has touched us and spoken to us and there is a path for your life. And sometimes in our darkest moments, we feel like we don't know where the path is. Amen. Amen. I was in Yosemite one time when we were walking around outside and there's no street lights. Amen. It's you in darkness. Amen. And you're walking through darkness, hoping that you're staying on the right road. Amen. And you know that in your mind somewhere there's bears out here and there's wolves out here. There's things out here and I'm in the darkness. Why am I out here? And you wonder why you even out here at all. But the word tells us that weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Amen. There's going to be a moment when the sun shines and light your way is illuminated. And you realize I've been on the right path all the way. Amen. Amen. So sometimes we don't know. But the journey is God speaking to us and saying, I have called you to go on a path. Your life has a purpose. Your life has a destiny. And I want you to walk in that destiny. 
And in order to walk in the destiny, we said there are five areas that God ministers to our lives. He ministers first in relationship to him, because when you know God, the deeper you know God, the more you know you're on the right path. Amen. When you know the deeper you know God, you realize I'm not ready. I'm not capable of making this journey on my own. And he says, that's okay, son. I know you're not. So I send Jesus to be your anchor today. Hallelujah. I send Jesus to be the one who helps you when you realize you can't make it on your own. Amen. Because we said we took that. We looked at Adam. We said Adam was divided and separated from God. And because he was separated from God, the result was he realized he was exposed. He said, I'm naked. I got to hide myself. And so he made fig leaves, took fig leaves and tried to make them to cover himself. And then we fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus is walking by a fig tree and reaches in and sees that there's no fruit. He said, fig leaves ain't good for nothing. <laughs> Amen. Think about that. Amen. Adam tried to cover himself with figs. And Jesus said, nah, that figs don't work. Amen. Come on. Come on. I'll let y'all meditate on that for a while. Amen. So the first area that God equips us with is he sends us his own presence. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. He said, I'm going to, I got to go away so I can send the Holy Spirit and he will be with you and he'll be in you. You will never be alone again. Amen. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit comes on you and you no longer are on your own. The second thing that he does then, he says, now I have put you on a path, but I'm not going to have you walk by yourself. I sent my spirit, but it's not good that you as a man should be alone. I'm going to send oikos people I'm going to supernaturally surround you with that are there for you to sow into, for them to sow into you and for you to be partners in life in ministry together. Amen. Amen. That way, that, that's how we, we, you know how we know this? Because every culture we look at, no matter where they are, no matter what their background is, marriage is part of culture. It's part of connection. Amen. Because God puts people in our life for us to be connected to. Amen. And so we do that by marriage, but we also do it by friendships. Every culture, there are friends in every culture. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't make a difference. If your background is Asian, they got friends in Asia. Amen? They got friends in Europe. They got friends in Africa. They got friends in Antarctica. <laughs> Amen. Australia, they got friends. India, they got friends. Everywhere, people connect because it's a natural part of human life that we're supposed to be connected. That's also why when the enemy attacks your life, he tries to get you isolated. Amen. Amen. My worst season in life was when I felt isolated. Amen. And me asking myself all kinds of questions. And the problem is I'm the one who got myself in trouble, so I'm not the one to ask for advice. Amen. All right. Come on. I hope y'all with me. Third area is being gifted. God has gifted everybody without measure. You have been blessed to have gifts and talents. And you don't know how many gifts and talents you have. If you ever tell me, pastor, I ain't got no gifts. I'm going to tell you, use a lie. <laughs> Amen. You do have gifts. You are gifted. 
And there's three kinds of gifts. There's a natural gift you're born with. There are ministry gifts that God gives you, which takes your natural gifts and applies them to the ministry context. And there are spiritual gifts that come by the Holy Spirit as the Spirit wills and he touches you and allows you to work in ways that you couldn't have done on your own. Amen. The fourth area is wellness. Sozo. God makes us whole. He makes us well. How well? Well enough to do what you're called to do. Amen. Somebody wants to feel like they felt when they was 18. You're not feeling like you felt like you're 18. Amen. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> she sounded off on that one. Amen. But I feel well enough to do what I'm called to do. Amen. And every time I feel like I'm not, God strengthens me with might in the inner man and lets me raise up and do what I'm called to do. Amen. Amen. The other week, I can say it now because I got over it. I was, man, I was, my whole body, I was in pain like nobody's business. My back was hurting. I was like, oh man, my knee was hurting. My foot was swollen. Like, what happened to me? What, what happened overnight? How'd it happen overnight? <laughs> Amen. I'm laying there thinking, oh Lord, what am I going to do? Man, I, can, I can't, man, I can't get in front of these people tomorrow like that. And you know what? I woke up as time to go and it just went away. Amen. Because God said, you go, you're right, you can't go up like that. Now let me get you ready to go. Amen. God got me ready to go. And it didn't require extra substances to make me get there. Amen. It was God doing his work. Amen. It's nothing wrong with taking medicine. If you feel bad, you should take medicine. It's been discovered, so it's yours. Amen. But sometimes you just need God to touch you and get you ready to do what you got to do. Amen. Amen. And fifth area is the area we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and that is the area of kingdom supply. That God makes available what we need. Because remember, the word prosperity means to be equipped for a journey. And kingdom supply is God meeting your needs to go on the journey that you're called to go. Amen. No matter what happens in life, God always blesses according to his purpose now last week we talked about two widows we talked about the widow with the oil and elisha the prophet and we talked about the widow of zarephath and elijah the prophet and those two passages the holy spirit had been ministering to me about those and he'd been showing me some things about those and and so when when i spoke to you last week about those there's a couple of things i want to call to your attention to make sure you caught them as we were speaking last week and that is, number one, that God honors faithfulness, okay? The widow at, uh, widow in the oil, what happened with her is her husband had been a prophet. And when the husband died, the widow, as we said, in Jewish culture, widows don't have any rights to anything. And so when she told the prophet, my, my children are going to be taken as slaves if I don't pay my debt. I want you to notice, God said, she said, she appealed to the fact that her husband had been faithful. And the prophet then said, let me tell you what to do. Now, what's important in this situation is when the word of the Lord came to her, she had to obey the word, which is the second thing. When the word of the Lord comes to you, you have to be ready to respond. Amen. We pray every week and the Lord has me praying this way because this is what he's put on my heart. Pray for revelation. But when God reveals things, you need to apply the word. Amen. You have to activate the word. You have to move in the word. Once God speaks, you got to move. Amen. We told you what the simple definition of prayer is. Prayer is talking to God, listening to God, and then what? 
moving with God. Amen. If you're going to talk to God and listen to God, you better be ready to move when he says move. Amen. Amen. God, give me an answer. I don't like that answer. Give me another answer. No, no. When God gives you an answer, you got to move with what God speaks to you. That's part of prayer. That's part of your conversation. Your ability to have a, a connection and dialogue with God is that when he speaks, you have an opportunity to speak back and then move and do what he says to do. Amen. I've been in difficult situations and in my situations, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And God said, no, I'll do this. And to the extent I do that, I see God's blessing. Amen. He moves and works in my favor and praise God. I praise God for him doing that. Amen. Two things. I want, the other thing I want to call out to you, I want to make sure you got this from last week, is that when Elisha blessed the woman and gave her instructions she had to fight against her own understanding of who she was. She had to fight against the imprint of who she thought she was, and she had to do what he said. Now, it's important to understand in the Old Testament, no one had received the Holy Spirit. And so the prophets spoke to these two women representative of the voice of God. So they had to respond to those voices like God was speaking to them. And it's important that you understand that that's how it was in the old covenant. And in the new covenant, God's not sending you a prophet to give you instructions. I want you to listen close. He doesn't send a prophet to give you instructions. Because in the New Testament, prophets are part of the fivefold ministry, which are there. They are there to equip you. Amen. Amen. So if somebody says... I have a direction for your life. You say, well, is it in the word? Because your first guidance is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Somebody called me and told me something and they said, hey, a prophet said this. Well, why the prophet? If the prophet came from somewhere and told you, how come God didn't send the prophet to me to tell me? If he's talking to me. Amen. Because. People get caught up in gifts without understanding the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And the New Testament prophet is here to equip you for your works of service. In other words, the New Testament prophet is here to, to minister to you, help you understand the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and how prophecy works so that you go and you operate in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and prophecy as the spirit wills. Amen. Amen. <laughs> as are all the fivefold ministry. Amen. Now listen, to, you're gonna, this is re really important because you need to understand this. In the old covenant, there were kings and priests and prophets. In the new covenant, all believers become kings and priests and prophets. Amen. In the new covenant, you all become kings of the domain, which means that you're supposed to have dominion because a king without a dominion is not a king. Amen. If you have a crown and you have no land, you're not a king. You're a man with a crown. Amen. So a king is supposed to have dominion. So the first thing, New Testament people, we know he's made us kings and priests. Amen. Who are you a priest over? You're a priest over those who God has put in your oikos. Amen. People who work for me at work, if they don't go to church, I'm their pastor. Amen. I'm the one that's going to pray for you. I'm the one who's got your back. I'm the one. I'm calling you in a crisis. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do what needs to be done. Why? Because I'm your pastor. Why? Because God put me in your oikos in order for me to exercise blessing over your life. 
called me to be your priest. Amen. And I'm training y'all to be priests over the people God sends to you. Amen. Because you are kings, you have a domain where you've been set, and you are priests, which means that people around you, you're there to pray for them, you're there to be a blessing to them, you're there to strengthen them and help them. Amen? And you are prophets, meaning that your job is to speak life into their life. Amen? And this is really important, because if you want kingdom supply to work, You have to recognize you're on purpose because God blesses his purposes. Amen. If God speaks a word, his word has provision in his word. Amen. If God speaks to you and gives you a direction, his, his direction for you has provision in that direction. And it's not always the way you want provision to be, not always how you think provision's coming. It's God's way. God said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. Amen. You, I got things I'm thinking about. You thinking one way. I'm thinking a whole nother way. Amen. And my provision contains what I intended and not what you intended. Amen. Because sometimes your intention ain't big enough for God. Amen. Your intention is for you to get rich and you to have a comfortable life. God said, no, my intention is for you to be a blessing to the nations. Come on, my intention for you is for you to rise up and be blessed and go and do what I called you to do. For you to exercise dominion in a bigger way so that you minister to more people. So you call more people, you touch more people's lives. You activate more people into the way that I've called them to go. Amen. And if God made some of us rich, we would go sit on a mountain somewhere and we would, go, we would have our own place and we'd be sitting up there and with a gate around us so can't nobody get to you. Amen. Amen. And a doormat that says, go away. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Some of us, if we got rich, we would subvert God's purpose. Amen. <laughs> so we have to redefine prosperity. Because God says, I take delight in the prosperity of my servants. But we've interpreted prosperity as being rich in a human way. Tell your neighbor, say, I understand money. (laughs) Amen. So God has made us kings and priests in the new covenant, all believers. Every believer, the new believer who just says yes to Jesus becomes a king and a priest. They don't have to earn it and they don't have to deserve it. It comes by grace. Amen. And with becoming a king and priest, it means you have the right to exercise dominion. It it means you have the right to pray for and minister to others. And you have the right to speak life over dead situations. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're a priest. Raise your hand if you're a prophet. Raise your hand if you're a king. Amen. Come on. All right. I'm glad you're all with me. Amen. Now, let me explain to you the parameters on that. You are kings, priests, and prophets for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. In other words, why does God make you a king and a priest and a prophet? He makes you that in order for you to be his tool in accomplishing his purpose, which is fulfilling the great commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. 
In other words, teach them everything I taught you. Baptize them. He that believes these signs are going to follow them in my name, not in your name, in his name. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You will cast out demons. Amen. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't harm you. Amen. Come on. Listen, I was in Mexico one time and we all went to a restaurant. We all drank the same thing, all ate the same thing. And guess what? Everybody got sick but me. Amen. And that night I was feeling so good. I went to the Brazilian steakhouse. Amen. (laughs) Everybody was ill and hurting. I was like, nope, I'm good. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. That's why I got to lose weight now. Amen. That's another story. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. God sends fivefold ministry not to be exalted above people, but to be equippers of all people. Fivefold ministry is not royalty in the kingdom. And I want to break that stereotype. And I want to break the fact that even some of us in ministry start to act like we're royalty. But you're royalty with everybody else. Not royalty because you have a position. Your position is to equip the saints for their work of ministry. Amen. So if you equip saints and they all fail, you're a failure. Come on. Come on, because you didn't do the thing you're supposed to do. That is equip people to be successes in the calling and power of life. That's our calling. Fivefold ministry. Any of us that are fivefold, our job is to strengthen and equip you to do your work of ministry, which is being a king, a priest, and a prophet to the generation and to the oikos God puts you around. Amen. Listen. Tell your neighbors, I understand Money, but pastor doesn't seem to be talking about money. (laughs) Amen. God fulfills purpose using people and people he has equipped with everything that's required to do what he's called us to do. And he gives us a relationship with him and he gives us supernaturally puts people around us. He gives us gifts and talents. He gives us wellness and he gives us resources and supply to accomplish his purpose. And here's what the the church sometimes we don't understand. Our relationship with money is the biggest area in which we have to renew our mind because we don't even realize how deeply entrenched in the Babylonian Caesar's system that we live in. Amen. We don't realize how deeply entrenched in Caesar's system we actually are. And because we don't, we try to apply God's principles to Caesar's rules and it doesn't work. Amen. Amen. Listen. Remember kingdom supply, God revealing himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. But the condition of God's provision is always based on our obedience to his purposes. The condition of God being Jehovah Jireh, when he first announces to the world that he's Jehovah Jireh, is Abraham getting ready to sacrifice his son. 
And when Abraham has to sacrifice his son of promise, what happens is, is that when he puts the son down and God said, your son is going to be the sacrifice. He begins and he prepares to sacrifice his son. And God says, wait, now that I know your heart, there's a ram in the bush over there because I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who looks ahead and makes provision. The God who looks out and already knows what's required and has already put a ram, had a wandering ram who doesn't know what he's doing and he gets stuck in a bush right next to Abraham. Why? Because God has already made a way for Abraham to have what he needs when he needs it. Amen. Amen. Because God's supernatural supply has to follow our obedience. And if we won't obey God, we can't expect God to supply (laughs) amen because it's a covenant it's an agreement God told Adam he said here's the covenant I got with you Adam he said I give you dominion over everything in the garden the only condition you have one condition you have you have dominion over everything fish in the sea birds of the air anything that creeps on the earth the ground will obey you Adam there's only one thing you can't do here's the covenant don't touch There's two trees in the center of the garden. One you can touch. One don't touch. That's the only condition. Other than that, you have power to exercise dominion. Covenant. Covenant. When we break a covenant, we lose position. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Matthew 22. Let's go to verse 15. The context of this is in Matthew 21, and I always like to give you context so you understand where we're going with something. Matthew 21, Jesus rides into Jerusalem in what we call the triumphant entry. It is three and a half years into Jesus' public ministry, and Jesus is entering Jerusalem before one of the great feasts, And what happens is, is that people have been seeing how powerful Jesus is. And when they meet him on the road, they began crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to Jesus. Waving palm leaves, laying things before him as he's walking to the street. He is the man of the hour in Matthew 21. (laughs) And then that week, Jesus begins speaking things to people that, broke up stony ground and stirred up hornet's nests. So much so that by Thursday, they are crying out, he's not our king. Friday, he goes to the cross. Saturday, he's in the grave. Sunday morning, he reveals who he really is. His power is revealed in his resurrection. Amen. But before he gets there, here he is in Matthew 22, now giving a teaching to people based on the Pharisees trying to trip him up. And verse 15 says, then the Pharisees went and plotted as to how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples Now, remember, there's other kinds of disciples besides Jesus' disciples. Amen. He sent his disciples with the Herodians, 
saying, teacher, we want to know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Ask your neighbor, say, is it lawful to pay taxes to the IRS or not? <laughs> Let's bring it into your context. Amen. Is that, is that lawful? Do I have to pay taxes to, to IRS? <laughs> Amen. I got somebody saying it vehemently. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Really important here. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus gives a parable that the end of it basically is many are called, but few are chosen. And he basically told the Pharisees, he gave them a parable that a man has property and he, uh, he sees the, those that are, uh, that he stewards it out to somebody and the people who was given to steward it tried to take it for their own. And they rejected every time the man would send someone to go collect his, what he was due, then they would reject those and kill those individuals. And so he gives that whole word and the Pharisees recognize he's talking about them because they were given the promises of God. The Pharisees were given uh, as part of the the Levitical uh, uh, priesthood. They were given the laws of God. They were given the the truth of God. They were given given it to them. But every time God would send a prophet, they would find a way to be against him. And so here Jesus is coming to them and they're rejecting Jesus even like they've done others. So when he gives them this and they decide they're going to trip him up in his words, they ask him because they're trying to get him in trouble with Rome because this is the week. This is the last week. This is the week in which we're going to have him go to the cross. So they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to find something that they could tell Caesar and the Romans, this man is against you. (laughs) So they ask him, is it lawful to pay taxes? But they get something they weren't expecting. Verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness. And said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? (laughs) Show me the money. Show me the money. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Show me the tax money. Show it to me. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose, look close, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled. And they left him and they went away. (laughs) Okay. 
Really important things here. They tried to trip him up, but the real keys in the passage here, he said, show it to me. And in this passage, he reveals that there's two different systems. There's Caesar's system and there's God's system. And when we talk about money, understanding money, you have to understand as a Christian that there is Caesar's system and there is God's system. And it's in our best interest to understand that there are two systems. Pastor Edward said this during, during the offering here, and we didn't talk about this. He says there's two systems. God's system, and I'm referring to it as Caesar's system. There's two different systems, and you as a believer must understand the difference between the two systems because what he said is, is you've got to give Caesar his, and you need to give God his. Amen. Now, you, you, because you, you live here in the United States, so there's a Caesar-based system that we live under called capitalism. Amen. And the nature of that system is that man is responsible for his own self. And his job and responsibility is to work hard enough to provide for him and his family. And the rules of the system is he can buy, he can trade in freedom, and we'll leave everybody alone, and whoever's who will be determined. The only problem is this system is also tainted with something that is not Christian, and that is human greed. <laughs> Amen. Human greed is what drives, ultimately, the capitalistic system. Amen? So then you got people who say, well, we have a better system. And the better system is everybody shares stuff. The government owns everything. And because the government owns everything, everybody shares equally in what they have. The problem with that is power. Because once somebody has access to everything, they believe they should control everything. And the quote, I'm not sure who the quote is responsible for the quote, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. So wherever there's a communist government, there's a rich government and poor people. Amen. The Russians were going to save Cuba by bringing them communism. And I've been to Cuba. Communism doesn't work. <laughs> Amen. Any poor place you've seen in America, you've seen it in Cuba. And maybe a little worse because they don't have all resources. Our nation happens to have a lot of resources. <laughs> and then they say, here's the compromise. We'll take some of capitalism and we'll take some of communism and we'll make socialism. All three are man-made systems. All three of them don't work ultimately. Work for a season, but they can't work permanently. The only thing that works is God's system. Because God's system's been working since Adam stepped into it. Amen? It's based on the principles of faith and revelation and sowing and reaping. That's what it works on. It works on those two things. Again, Pastor Edward preached the message before I even got up here. It works on those two factors. But as a believer, you have to understand those factors because if you don't, you will pay Caesar and not pay God. 
If you don't understand this system, you will operate in Caesar's system and Caesar's system will shape you and it will mark you and you will not operate in God's system. And when I remember what I'm saying, understand what I'm saying. I want you to understand what money is and understand how money works because money is not God's. When God put Adam in, in the garden, he didn't give him money. Money was created by man. Understand money. The two widows we looked at, the, both the widows said, I'm poor, I'm helpless, I need help. I'm gathering these sticks to have my last meal. Prophet, will you give me some money? No, make me a cake. Master, you know my servant. He served the Lord. He was faithful. And now we're in debt now that he's died. And my children are going to be taken if I can't pay my debt. Man of God, give me some money. Nope. What do you have in your house? (laughs) See, when God blesses, God doesn't send money to your house. Come on. Listen, I'm after you. Come on. I'm after you. God doesn't bless with money because money is not God's. Money is not part of God's system. Now, we live in this world and you have to have money to live in this system because God's assigned us to us and we have to work in the rules of this system. But we have other rules that go past the rules of this system. Amen. I told you I went to Cuba the other day. I was looking, I was trying to take a picture of a coin, but I couldn't do it. I had these Cuban coins that I brought home. But most of the coins, when I used them in Cuba, when I got to the airport, I went to the exchange and I traded in that Cuban money because it don't work in the USA. And there's money that you're accumulating here. It won't work for you in heaven's system. (laughs) Amen. Your money won't work when you leave the boundaries of this world. But you live in two worlds at the same time. Amen. Amen. So you trying to live in here and there and money doesn't work over here. So you have to have the ability to understand. I understand money in its proper context. And I understand that money is trying to try to absorb me and it's going to try to get me off base. So I have to understand the other system that I'm part of. So that I fully understand that I most need to understand the currency of my home. See, see, I got these little Cuban coins in my little box at home, right? I got all these Cuban coins coins because I went there. But guess what? They don't work here. And so I can't remember which one's the convertible peso, which one's the Cuban peso, because they have two dollar, two two different money systems there. And I can't remember which one's which, but I don't have to remember which one's which because I'm a resident here. (laughs) Amen. Come on. And you need to recognize where are you a resident. And when you recognize where you're a resident, then you know which one you need to know better than the other. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Listen, close. Money. I'm going to show you some definitions about money. I want you to get this. Let's bring up definition one about money. Money is. Now, you don't even have to write these down. 
You can Google this. This is in dictionary.com. Pull right out of it. Amen. Pay your focus. Look at this. Look close at it. You can look it up later. Money is a medium, a medium. Remember that word, a medium that can be exchanged for goods and services and is used as a measure of their values on the market. In other words, money imprints a value. Remember that. Number two. Inclu- yeah, go back, go back to the second part of that one. Including among its forms a commodity such as gold and officially issued coins or notes or a deposit in a checking account or other liquefiable account. In other words, for it to be currency, it has to be liquid. It has to be something that you could take here or take there, right? And you can exchange it and get rid of it if you don't want it anymore. Amen? Because if you can't get rid of it, it's not liquid. Amen? I, got, I need to be able to get rid of this stuff. <laughs> Amen. Y'all better take all them pennies to the bank. Amen? <laughs> for you can't move them. Amen? Number two, the official currency coins and negotiable paper notes issued by a government. That's what money is. Governments issue money. God doesn't issue money. Amen. Number three, assets and property considered in terms of monitoring value. It's not the property. It's the value of the property. And value of property is relative. If my house that I live in right now, I took it, I picked it up, and in some way I was able to plant it in, let's go San Francisco or San Jose. I take that house, I would quadruple my money. By moving what I currently live in into another place. Why? Because value is relative. I want y'all to understand. I'm going, I'm, I'm not just saying this to say it. I'm going somewhere with this. Value is relative. <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor, say value is relative in Caesar's system. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> let's look up what a medium remember a medium we told you remember that word medium is something such as an intermediate course of action which occupies a position or represents a condition midway between extremes so what's in between two things is a medium (laughs) oh lord hallelujah miss cleo was a medium She's standing between two things, right? And she's going to tell you what's on the other side. Because you over there, she's in the middle. Amen? (laughs) Remember that. Number two, medium. An intervening substance through which something else is transmitted or carried on. A freight train is a medium. You load it on one side, you ride from one place to another, and you exchange on the other side. 
The train becomes a medium, a, a, a something that goes between two places, a conduit, if you will. Amen. Number three, an agency by which something is accomplished, conveyed, or transferred. Those three things mean a medium. And I was joking about Miss Cleo, but the fact of the matter is, is that in the New Testament, we don't need mediums. Poem readers, psychics, mind readers, seers, they're all mediums. They all say that something, there's you and there's God on the other side, and you need someone in the middle to be a medium between you. Only medium I need is named Jesus. And what Jesus did is he said, I'm the one between you, but I'm not going to leave you like this. I'm going to join you with the Holy Spirit. So you are one with God. You are connected to God. You don't need somebody else to come speak with you. Paul said, listen, he said, listen, you have an unction from the Holy One. You don't need anybody to teach you anything. <laughs> you need equippers, but you don't need people to teach you the oracles of God. You got the word of God and you got the Holy Ghost. Say amen. You can listen. If I took you, the Holy Ghost, and, an, and, and the word and put you on an island, you can know everything about God you needed to know. <laughs> Amen. That's why I'm not teaching you new stuff. I'm revealing to you what God said. Amen. And then you got to take it and grab it and make it your own and put it in your spirit because then it'll agree with what God says to you. And the Holy Spirit will say, yeah, and amen. And you get up and walk in it. Amen. Because that's what an equipper does. An equipper hands you things to put your focus on. I had many coaches in different sports I grew up in. Coach never was able to make me work. Never, never able, able to get me anything. All the coach could do is show me how to use things I already have. <laughs> Amen. A coach can't make you better. A coach makes you find your betterness. Amen. A coach can't wave a wand over you and all of a sudden you get better. No, a coach shows you the way and then you say, oh, okay, I need to do this. Yeah, okay. Oh, that first step. Yeah, okay, I got that. And then you start to exercise or activate what the coach shows you. Then you become better. Amen? Amen. So Sunday morning, I can't help you get better. I can only show you what to work on. Amen? And then you go to God with it and you become better. As a result of what God does for you. Amen. Because I'm not a medium between you and God. Amen. I'm an equipper for you. You got God talking to you himself. Amen. You minding your own business and you wake up in the middle of the night and the spirit of God is ministering to your heart and ministering to your mind. You're the one who's, who's sitting somewhere and hears a song in your mind. Oh, that's the Lord giving me a song. A song of the Lord is coming up in my mind. I'm not giving you that. That's the God you serve. Giving you that because you don't need a medium. <laughs> but money is a medium. <laughs> Bring that first definition of money back up. <laughs> money. The very first thing it says about money is money is a medium. <laughs> yeah, money can be Miss Cleo if you let it be. Amen. Don't let Miss Cleo be in your money. Amen. Listen close. Over and over again, this thing talks about value. Value is relative, as we said, right? 
Why is value relative? Because in Caesar's system, Caesar tells you what is valuable. Amen? In Caesar's system, Caesar tells you what is valuable. Because Caesar controls the market. Amen? And the market puts labels on people. And the market marks labels with people with rich or poor. High value versus low value. And so, if you don't recognize that Caesar's system is trying to mark you, then you will interpret your value based on what Caesar says you are. Amen. See, if Caesar says that you're a lawyer, you're valuable. But Caesar says you're a janitor. Yeah. If Caesar says you're important, then you get to be important in society. But if Caesar doesn't say you're important, you don't get to be important in Caesar's system. Amen. And see, we carry over the, that old understanding of Caesar's system into the church. And we place high value on preaching and place high value on worship. And we forget God's made us all kings and priests. But that's part of Caesar's system trying to get into our hearts. Or it's our lack of renewal of our mind to look at things differently. And so sometimes the next level of that is our own interpretation of our value based on where we fall into Caesar's system. <laughs> See, if we weren't born in the right place or have the right education or have this or have that, then we view ourselves in that Caesar's imprint. <laughs> if we're not married by the time we're this age, if we're not this by this age, if we're not this by this time, we have a mark on us that carries over and it starts to imprint an identity that Caesar wants you to have that will push against God's identity that he's trying to minister to you through the word. And you have to renew your mind and get Caesar's words out of your mind. So that you can hear God clearly speak to you and accept his truth when it comes to you. <laughs> they never say, I understand money. In Caesar's system, if you have a lot of money, you're important. In Caesar's system, if you're a high level profession, you're important. There's a big emphasis on homelessness right now. It's not because there's homeless people. It's that homeless people have found their ways into places where important people don't want to see them. <laughs> Amen. See, Jesus said this, woman broken vase of oil poured it on his feet 
And some of the disciples got all riled up. Why is she doing that? Does she know how much money we could have got for that? We could have took that money and we could have gave it to the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. <laughs> this ain't the last opportunity you're going to have to bless poor people. Amen. He said, but she has chosen to do the good thing and it won't be taken from her. Amen. She chose to worship with her resources. Amen. Listen, there's two revelations we got from women, the women and the widows that I want you to understand. Let me, before I go there, listen, I want, I want you to think about these things. Our personal identity based on Caesar's system comes from money and financial status, career and professional status. But what happens to people when those things are challenged? If your life is built on those things, what happens when those things get challenged? I used to work in this organization. We did, um, we worked with displaced workers. Some people who had had jobs, their company closed, and we would do what we call a rapid response. We would come out, help everybody start figuring out what, you, what are your next steps, what are your options, how are you going to transition, what's going to be a transition plan. And I would see people who were broken. Their company hasn't even closed yet. And they are broken because of the word that my status is at risk. And I would we would have people in our offices crying not because it's closed, not because I feel anything, but just the knowledge that I'm not going to find what I had again. Because Caesar told him that. See, when you go to work for a company, a, no company, no company, no company, not one. They can never pay you your value. But you start to believe your value is equated because in Caesar's system, your value is equated with your salary. And you start to believe that's my value. I'm a 50,000 person. I'm a 75,000 person. I'm a 100,000 person. That's what I am. That's what I'm worth. No, it's not. Money is a medium of exchange. You're giving one thing in the market for something else in the market. And your value has nothing to do with that. That is what's being traded. That's not who you are. Amen. See, God says you, I love you with an everlasting love. God said you are my choice, prized possession. Amen. God said I love you enough to send my son to die on your behalf. You have the highest level of value. Amen. God says you're gifted above measure. But we don't always believe that because we got to get our mind renewed to get Caesar out of our heads. Amen. Your money is not your value. Amen. Amen. There's a parable in the book of Proverbs and it says there's a poor man who's in prison and there's an overthrow. And the king finds himself in prison with the poor man. But the poor man has a plan for the king. Why? Because it's not your value. It's what you have. <laughs> See, it's what you have that makes you valuable. The poor man in prison has got a plan to help the king. But nobody wants to listen to him because he's a poor man in prison. 
And sometimes we overlook answers because people haven't risen to the level of importance to have answers like that. But we forget about God speaks to anybody. Amen. We forget about the fact God doesn't need your position in order to make you valuable. God makes you valuable because of his presence and his spirit in you that can speak truth to you when everybody around doesn't know what to do. Amen. But your value is found when you release those gifts and you fulfill God's purpose. Then your value is revealed. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You need to understand this because this is the difference between being a kingdom person and being a money-driven, Caesar-based person. Amen? Listen, here's the revelations of the widows that we talked about last week. Number one, the widow and the oil, her revelation was that although you're a widow and you don't have any resources and think you have nothing, one, there's enough in oil in your jar to pay your debts and provide for you and your sons. If anybody here thinks you are in a a situation you can't come out of, you need to change Caesar off your stuff. You need to take Caesar off and you need to recognize you have enough to do what needs to be done. Amen. Amen. You've got what it takes to get stuff done. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. The other revelation is you're enough of a businesswoman to run an enterprise. She had to run an enterprise. She had to sell all that oil. No, y'all ain't ready for, I'm I'm telling you, listen, come on, man, come on. Second revelation from the other one, the woman at the, uh, woman at Zarephath, the revelation is you have enough resources to be generous and provide for somebody else. Amen. Amen. She said, I'm a widow. I'm gathering sticks to make my last meal for me and my son. We're going to make this meal and we're going to die. That's her Caesar revelation. But the true revelation from God is no. Matter of fact, you have enough to make the profit a cake and you got enough to make food for you and your family for days to come. (laughs) Amen. Neither one of them got money from the prophets. And that's what's important to understand. The amount of money you have does not make or shape you. Look at Matthew 16 real quickly. We're going to hit these last two scriptures and I'm going to close with this. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. My question to you is where is your identity? Where's your identity? Have you renewed your mind enough to get Caesar out of your identity? Or is Caesar still ruling your identity? Because if Caesar's still ruling your identity, you might be saying no to God in some areas God's trying to get you to move into. Amen? If Caesar is still ruling your identity, you may be hearing God's voice and not be confident that it's God because it doesn't sound like Caesar. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Matthew 16, verse 16. It says, and Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. In other words, guess what? Caesar didn't tell you who I was because Caesar doesn't know who I am. (laughs) amen see see, they crucified jesus because they didn't know who he was caesar doesn't know who jesus is you know who jesus is and you know him by revelation amen 
So the kingdom system, God's system is not based on what you consciously know. It's based on revelation that God gives you. Amen. Come on. It's based on revelation that God gives you. And then what do you tell him after that? I say to that you, you, that you are Peter, you and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Remember, a gate is built to keep things out. But the gate is around Hades. It ain't around you. It's not the gates around you. It's the gates around Hades shall not prevail against you. Which means when you get the revelation means you can go in places and take things out of Hades that shouldn't be there. Amen. That's how I'm getting all my stuff back. Amen. That's how I'm getting my stuff back. Piece by piece, I'm getting my stuff back. Right? Why? Because I'm going in the gates of Hades and I'm taking stuff out, extracting them, bringing it back to my house. Amen. And when I get it, then I'm going to distribute it because people need to be blessed. Amen. You are a blesser. Amen. You are not ruled by the system. You are over the system because remember the law of sin and death is overshadowed by the law of the spirit of life in Christ of which you're in. That's where you are. You're in the law of the spirit of life in Christ. You have revelation coming from God because you don't have a medium between you and God. He said flesh and blood couldn't talk to you about this. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Peter, did Peter have a medium? Did Miss Cleo tell Peter who Jesus was? No, he heard from the father. Amen. Why? Because revelation is how this works. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Come on. I'm trying to break some ground. And you might say it's already broken. It ain't broken yet. Amen. It ain't it ain't broken till I see you multiplying a hundredfold. Then I know it's broke. Amen. I'll know the ground is broke when I see a hundredfold coming out of you. Then I say, yeah, that ground is broken. Until then, I'm going to hammer this down. Amen. Come on. <laughs> understand money flesh and blood didn't reveal it to him then verse 19 first the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you don't be afraid of hell or, or what's included in hell don't be afraid of what's evil don't be afraid of it the spirit of fear tried to come on me last night my daughter told me something she was going to do, and I started, and, and a spirit of fear came up. And I just, no, no, I'm buying that spirit of fear right now. I'm going, I'm going, in my own mind, break that ground. And I had to start breaking and beating that ground down, and I had to start beating that ground down, and then it left. Because then I had to say, the angels of the Lord are encamped about me. Hallelujah. The angels of the Lord all around me, covering me and protecting me. Amen. And then I thought about something. I said, man, yeah, Lord, you are doing something in my daughter. Amen. Because a moment where she might want to be afraid, she's being bolder than she's being so bold. She's making me scared. Amen. 
But I said, wait a minute. Well, before I opened my mouth and crush her faith, I had to let it. I said, no, no. The angels of the Lord are camped around us. God perfects everything that concerning us. Praise the Lord. I don't even, I have no care, no concern. As a matter of fact, let me go to bed right now. <laughs> I slept like a 260 pound baby. <laughs> Amen. Gonna be 250 pretty soon. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Let's hit this and let's get ready to close. Galatians 6. Woo. Come on. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Are you understanding money a little bit better now? God didn't give us money. Money is from men. Money's not from God. Now, you live in this place, so you got to have money. Amen. But you're going to understand how you come across money, how you get money. We're going to talk about it in the next couple of weeks. But I want you to understand, money is not God's. Money's man's creation. And man governs the systems that have to do with money. Because if you take out your own money, I'll ask you, whose picture's on it? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Amen. If you reap to the flesh, what do you get? You get flesh back. If you reap to the spirit or you sow to the spirit, you reap back spiritual things. But remember, Peter was told, behold, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, it'll be loosed in heaven. Amen. So the keys to the kingdom are your ability to take supernaturally what's in heaven and release it to the earth. Amen. There's no shortage in heaven. Therefore, there's no shortage here. Because we can pull it down. We can call it down. And this has nothing to do with some supposed prosperity gospel. This has to do with the word of God. And our ability to believe the word of God. So I'm going I'm to say it. Benny Hinn saying, I'm no longer part of this. I'm not. Part. Well, guess what? I haven't talked about an offering one time. We should have never been thinking that offerings are God's gateway to your blessing. Your offering is your sowing of your gratitude to God and to allow the church to be equipped to do what the church has to do. You don't get blessed because you did an offering. Hopefully you gave an offering because you're blessed. Hopefully you understand. I'm blessed to the Lord. I got God coming in, going out. God is my everything. Why are you saying all that and trying to get God to give you some crumbs? Forget that. God's system works because he loves you. Your image has to be that God loves me and I'm blessed because he loves me. I am blessed because God has sent Jesus to be my salvation. I'm blessed because God's hand is on my life. And I'm so blessed I can give into every good work. <laughs> Come on. God's not mocked. <laughs> Whatever you sow is what you reap. Amen. Now we use that. See, you reap what you sow. You know, you know, somebody did something wrong to you and we get that, we get that, you know, you get that neck snap. Yeah, you reap what you sow. <laughs> Amen. 
But you reap what you sow when it comes to whatever you do for God. If you sow faithfulness, God sends his faithfulness back to you. Amen. If you sow resources, God sends resources back to you. If you sow love, love comes back to you. Amen. Amen. Sowing and reaping, also referred to as seed time and harvest. Last passage. Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. (laughs) This is the parable of the sower, but I want to zoom you in on verse 8. And we know there was four kinds of ground, right? But we want to look at the fourth ground, verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is my last point for the day, and I want you to really absorb this. You've got to challenge yourself when it comes to money. You have to have a new kind of mindset when it comes to money. And when it comes to money, one of the most important things you have to see here is we think in terms of money, again, because in Caesar's system, money adds. (laughs) In God's system, money multiplies. Resources multiply. I read this passage so many times through the years, and my mindset was so entrenched in Caesar's system that when I would see 30 60, 100 fold. My mindset would be 100 fold would be 100%. But that's not what it says. But that was my mindset because I got, I got Caesar in me, right? And so I'm reading it and, I, and, 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 and you do something and say, it's, oh, it's a 30 fold return. That means for every dollar you got 30 back, 30 cents back, right? That's 30%. And that's how my mind would think. But money doesn't come from God. So God's not applying this to money. God's replying to this to return on what you sow. So you sow a seed. The seed has life in itself already. The seed has a DNA already in the seed. The seed is already designed from eternity to bring back a harvest of itself. It can't be changed. It can't be altered. It can't be modified. The seed is what the seed is. The ground determines what the seed is able to produce because either the ground protects the seed or the ground exposes the seed. Hard ground leaves the seed sitting too shallow and birds of the air come and snatch it. Thorny ground puts the, the, the um, seed in a compromised position because it's growing among thorns already and the thorns end up choking out the seed. Not because the seed isn't good, but because there's no space for the seed. <laughs> yes. But it says a hundredfold, 30-fold, 60-fold. It means it multiplies it by those factors. So instead of one bringing 130, one brings 30. Or one brings 60. Or one brings 100. 
See, I'm sowing into you seeds, seeds that God revealed to me. And I'm sowing in faith, believing that God's going to bring forth the seed of what's been sown. 30, 60, 100 fold. Amen. So if you look around the room, you say, man, if we all became 100 fold producers, what would happen around us? Amen. If our worship team became 100 fold producers and they started hearing songs from God and kept cranking more songs out, man, what would that be beautiful? All that, all that flow going. Amen. Man, what if our bookstore became a hundredfold producer? Amen. What if our ushers became hundredfold producers? What would that look like? I don't know. <laughs> and let the ushers meditate on that. Amen. What if our teachers, what if our greeters, what if anything we put our hand to do, we became hundredfold producers? Because we became good ground for God to do the work. So in order to become good ground, you got to weed Caesar out of your mind. So you're free to become what God calls you to become. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Your word is like life to us. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Understanding Money from the Kingdom Supply segment of our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live-streamed worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net slash media. Also, feel free to join us any Sunday morning for our live worship service here in the city of Vallejo. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly. Yeah.